Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Part 1 Recap If you are new to the show, this will hopefully set you on the right path to enjoy the rest of the series. If you don't want to listen to the entire series up to this point, I suggest listening to the recap at the end of Season 1, coming back to this episode, and then moving forward. But hey, do what you want. Who am I to tell you how to enjoy or not enjoy this show? Darker Days is split into three parts. Not evenly split, mind you, but split nonetheless. Part one was a disjointed look at the world and its history. It was full of horrible people doing horrible things. It slowly sifted through the history of the land as characters trekked from one place to the next, only to essentially be told the princess was in another castle. There were revelations upon revelations. There were new characters, some of which come from L. Frank Baum's marvelous Land of Oz, and some of which were created just for this story. It bounced back and forth between different eras. There's BTW, ATW, and AE. That's before the wizard, after the wizard, and after everything. It chronicles the birth of Ozma and her sisters, the rule of their father, King Lorenz, and their mother, Lady Quinneth. It introduces Tipitarius and follows his abusive relationship with Mombi the Wicked, as it introduces Pumpkin Jack and the Tree Horse. It also sheds new light on what actually happened to Beatrice, the Tin Woodman's wife. Along with all of that, we see a terrifying familiar face with a new Reginald chapter. And all that is really only part of it. So let's start at the beginning. Before I go on, it is worth noting that outside of a few chapters taking place in Kansas, the events of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale took place in the year 195. So there's going to be a little bit of overlap in this episode. At the beginning of the book, there's an explanation of time. It basically tells you that time moves a little bit differently. It explains that in Oz, time is measured in seconds, minutes, or hours. Also, it explains that Oz is flat, and time is inconsistent and unstable. It tells you that even though I'm the arbiter of this world and make up the rules myself, I'm going to ignore them and use weeks, months, and years. The story of Oz, for the purpose of part one, begins with the year negative one. Ozma and her four sisters are conceived. This is found in chapter 11, 
and involves graphic depictions of sexual violence, so listener discretion is strongly advised. Year Zero. Ozma and her sisters are born. We also find that Lothor is Lady Quinneth's servant. Lady Quinneth is married to the King Lorenz only because she wants power, and assumes that that big fat tub of lard can't possibly have much time left to live. She's just kind of waiting for him to die. Anyway, she abandons her children, leaving them in the care, if that's what you want to call it, of Lothor. She pretty much tells him they are for show, bring them out when necessary, but otherwise she wants nothing to do with them. In year four, before the wizard, the children are imbued with magic by Lothor. It's a long, grueling bloodletting. Lothor names the children Ozma, Ifel, Devorin, Vel, and Gracia as he performs the ritual. He can't bring himself to harm the fifth child, which he names Gracia. This means she is the only sister that is not a witch. The year ten before the wizard, King Lorenz is forty-three, and Lady Quinneth is thirty-three. Ozma and her sisters are ten. The sisters decide to take matters into their own hands and rule the kingdom themselves. So, with the help of Lothor, who has been training them in the magic arts, they acquire a bottle of wine from a distant land and use it to poison their parents. The disgustingly immobile King Lorenz is granted brief mobility and murders his wife. Ozma then takes the throne. In the years 10 through 25 BTW, Ozma and her sisters rule the land with iron fists. They ban magic, making its practice punishable by death. Lothor leads a fiery inquisition that ultimately takes the lives of thousands of innocents as well as witches, warlocks, and wizards. The Inquisition, however, does not rid the land of magic entirely. Those that still practice magic have fled to the far reaches of the land and have been driven into hiding. Sometime around the year 11, the child Beatrice gets lost in the living forest. Her father comes to her rescue and warns her of the dangers of the woods. He tells her, Never trust the beings in the forest and never pick the fruits from the trees. In the year 20, before the wizard, we see Reginald arriving in the city of Nitfis. It's a brutal home invasion in which he assaults a young married couple in the night. He murders the husband, Roman, and rapes his wife, Melinda, resulting in the birth of a child, nine months later in the basement of an asylum. The child is somewhat of a miracle, as it's noted earlier that Melinda is unable to have children. Much like Lady Quinneth, however, Melinda wants nothing to do with her child, and it is sold to the highest bidder. In the years 20 to 30, before the wizard, and during the wizard, Tip, short for Tipitarius, is bought and raised by Mombi the Wicked in the eastern woods. His life is a torturous experience. Mombi beats and abuses him in various detestable ways. 
We see that while Tip is a victim, he's also a victimizer. He does a lot of truly aberrant things in his youth. He is evil in his youth. He creates Pumpkin Jack using a magic powder found in Mombi's collection of oddities. He uses the same powder to bring a large tree trunk to life, which he names the Tree Horse. Him and Jack plan to use it to escape the forest in Mombi. The year 25 marks the end of the Inquisition and sees the arrival of the 42-year-old Joseph Smith in the Emerald City. Though at this time it's not called Emerald, it is called Antonora. He's also not a wizard yet, but he is very captivating. Upon Joseph's arrival, he is greeted by Gracia. Remember, the sister that's not a witch. The two of them fall in love and concoct a scheme to exile Lothor. Ozma and the sisters agree, and Lothor is banished from the kingdom. Joseph admits to Gracia that, despite what many believe, he is, in fact, not a wizard, warlock, or anything of the sort. He has no magical abilities. Gracia agrees to keep his secret safe. The two of them get married and travel to the far east. Upon their return, they present Ozma and the other sisters with a single stunning red rose. Ozma takes it and smells it. She's then thrust into a strange sense of euphoria. Her sisters smell the rose with the same reaction. Joseph and Gracia think they were just made to look foolish, and that's when the witches dry up and turn into a fine ashen dust. Their remains are then collected and put into a box, which is later claimed by a young girl hailing from the south. Glinda In the years 30 to 110, the city of Antonora is erased. It is destroyed and rebuilt as the city of Emerald. The Greys are also formed in this time, and Joseph Smith becomes known as the Wizard of Oz. Also in this time... Gracia mysteriously disappears. In the year 30, Mombi tells Tip that she will allow him to go free and travel the land with his newly created pumpkin man and his tree horse, but on only one condition. In year 30, the grown Beatrice is mysteriously compelled to enter the living forest. Her husband, Nicholas, stays behind, but reminds her to be back before the sun sets, because the woods, well, they be dangerous after dark. Lost and alone, she meets Tip, again short for Tipitarius, who tells her he's running from Mombi the Wicked, who murdered his family earlier that day. Not heeding the childhood warnings of her father, Beatrice allows Tip to travel with her, and upon noticing he's hungry, she picks an apple from one of the trees. Once Beatrice takes the apple and gives it to Tip, Mombi shows up and sets the boy free. Beatrice is to be his replacement. Year 30, when Beatrice does not return, Nicholas sets out to find her. He has a run-in with Mombi, who informs him his wife broke the rules and is now hers, Nicholas angers Mombi and is transformed into the Tin Woodman. Mombi tells him that he is to remain this way for 300 years. After that time, he will return to his original form, a young man who hasn't aged a day. 
He returns to his home outside the forest and sits for 80 years. The years 110 to 195, the Tin Woodman traverses the forest in search of his wife. As he chops the trees down one by one, he learns that in the time since Beatrice was taken, the gray fields were formed. The trees only know of the fields, however, not how to get to them or where they are. In the year 195, two Munchkin brothers, Fink and Floyd, sit on a hill under a tree in the gray fields. They're watching Mombi in the distance, picking flowers, as they discuss the best way to kill a witch. One of them suggests dropping a house on her, and the other one laughs at such a stupid idea. They watch as the sky opens up and Dorothy's house falls on her. They check out the house to find Mom be dead. They also find what they assume is a dead young girl. As they plot to bury her, she wakes up, Lothor shows up, and does his best to explain to her where she is. He tells her to take the ring from the dead witch, Mombi, which Dorothy does reluctantly. He also tells her that there's a wizard that might be able to help her get back home, and her newfound ring will guide her to him and allow her to leave the gray fields, something only she can do. She packs a bag and sets out to find the wizard, the wonderful wizard of... Oz. But not before Lothor gives her one last thing, a book to be delivered to the wizard. The wonderful wizard of... Oz. She makes her way to the forest, saves the scarecrow from an ogre, and together they're attacked by some trees and saved by, you guessed it, the Tin Woodman. He notices Dorothy has Mombi's ring and doesn't quite know what to think. He saves her from being eaten by a lion, but then he decides to spend his time tormenting her, swearing to kill anyone or anything that helps her. Okay, so now we're really just recapping dark days instead of darker days. I've already recapped it, so I will try to keep this brief. The Scarecrow decides he wants to be called Mr. That's not some kind of statement on gender politics or how he identifies. I just thought he needed a name, and he's a dude. He and Dorothy make it to the wizard. He tells her to kill the Wicked Witch of the West. On her way there, she has a run-in with Reginald. She finds the woodman strung up in the middle of nowhere after he was attacked by man-wolves. Mr. saves her from a murder of crows. Dorothy makes it to Krista the Vile, who takes her prisoner. She's placed in a cell with the malnourished lion. She's almost raped by by some winged monkeys. She accidentally kills Krista when she splashes water on her. The lion becomes Dorothy's friend. They set the winged monkeys free after taking a special magical bracelet from the now-dead witch. Dorothy also takes a knife from Krista. Dorothy and the lion go back to find Mister, but he's gone. They save the woodman, who promises to help them get the scarecrow back. They get the scarecrow back. With the help of the winged monkeys, Dorothy, the lion, and Mister leave the tin woodman behind and return to Emerald. The wizard admits he's a fraud and sends them off to Glen to the good who lives somewhere out south. He also tells Dorothy to give Glinda the book that Lothor gave her so long ago. 
Dorothy, Mr. and the Lion travel south. They travel through China country and wreak unintentional havoc on a strange city of miniatures. They have a run-in with the Quadlings, a tribe of bloodthirsty munchkins with strange flat heads and strange bodies. They make their way across the ocean and traverse three deadly islands. The Quadlings show up to kill a bunch of zombie soldiers that prevent Dorothy from getting past the first island. They meet Glinda, who is killed by some sort of strange magic trapped inside the book from Lothor. Dorothy gets a pair of glasses from her dead body, and that allows her to see almost anywhere in Oz. And then they return to Emerald, only to find out that the Woodman has returned and killed everyone, including the Wizard. Mister gets shredded, the Lion gets drunk, the Woodman gets thrown out a window, and Dorothy tries to escape, but realizes she can't. Because while she thought she was in the basement of the Green Palace, she's actually miles high in the spire and has nowhere to go. Also, the now battered and crippled woodman is hunting her down because he is unstoppable. And that leads us to darker days of Dorothy Gale. As far as Dorothy is concerned, Darker Days picks up right where Dark Days left off the year 195, staring down the mangled woodman in the spire of the Green Palace. She learns that the woodman isn't all that interested in killing her anymore, because he might not be able to inherit the charms that she's stolen from the witches. So, if he kills her, well, he might not be able to make it into the Grey Fields. Dorothy says, F that. She's not going to help. So she throws herself out of the spire. She figures if no one kills her, no one can claim the ring, the bracelet, or the glasses, thus locking the greys forever. Jump 40 days and 40 nights ahead, and she wakes up in a small cabin, tired and sore. The lion is sleeping in the corner. Mr.'s severed head is sitting on a small table by the front door. The woodman shows up, and they talk. He explains what happened. She tried to commit suicide, but she failed, so he collected her body and put her in his bed, and all that fun stuff. He explains that she must be a witch because witches can't kill themselves. She tried, she couldn't, bada-bing, bada-boom, that means witch. He tells Dorothy the story of Beatrice and asks her for help getting into the gray fields and getting back out with his wife, who he assumes is somehow still alive. In exchange, he'll help bring Mr. back to life and will even supply the necessary body for him. Dorothy agrees, and they go to the gray fields, but it's different than it was when she was last there. They find her house, but it's surrounded by shanties and tents, and all occupied by zombie-like creatures, similar to the ones she met in Dark Days of Dorothy Gale when she went to the Grey Desert in search of Krista the Vile. Dorothy meets up with Fink and Frank, the munchkin exiles that once plotted to bury her. They're squatting on the roof of her house now. Dorothy asks if they've seen Lothor. They tell her they haven't, but that's good because, well... Nobody really needs to see Lothor. He's a bad hombre. Nevertheless, Dorothy insists on meeting with him. Instead, she's greeted by the lost queen of Oz. Ozma. Lothor eventually shows up. He and Ozma hold Dorothy and her band of travelers captive while they figure out what to do with them. They tell the outsiders the story of how Ozma came to be, how Joseph showed up, how Gracia had them all exiled... 
They also explain that Gracia's soul has now been somehow trapped inside the body of Beatrice, you know, the woodman's wife. They explain that they need to extract Gracia in order to kill Ozma's sisters. Turns out Ozma and her witchy relatives can't kill each other, just like how a witch can't kill herself. Gracia's not a witch, so she can do the deed. They offer up a simple solution, however— let Dorothy and the Woodman do the dirty work in exchange for helping Dorothy get back home and returning Beatrice to her loving, albeit metal, husband. Mister says no, the lion doesn't care, Dorothy says K, and the Woodman goes along with this whole sordid plot of murder and betrayal. They all set out to the northern gray tundra, because that's apparently where Lothor and Ozma told them to go. They reach the end of the world, a giant black void. Dorothy suggests jumping in. After all, the woodman can handle just about anything, and dropping Mister would be like dropping a pillow into the unknown. Mister says no, the woodman also says no. Dorothy gets the line to push them over the edge before jumping in herself. Remember... She can't kill herself, so in theory she should be okay. You know, because jumping off a cliff would be like committing suicide. Or something like that. The lion has to stay behind because he is not made of metal, he's not made of straw, and he's definitely not a witch. So naturally, he would probably end up dead at the bottom of whatever it is they're jumping into. Oh, okay. That about sums it all up. The first book and the first part of the second book. I've mentioned several times that the second part of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale is inspired by Dante's Inferno. So, as a very special bonus episode, I will be returning next week with an adaptation of a translation of the first canto of Dante's epic poem, The Commedia. Part two is where the story really earns its darker moniker. We travel to a whole new land, we meet new characters, we see what Tip has been up to since his release from Mombi. There's more King Lorenz, more Lady Quinneth, more Joseph Smith, and a whole lot more of Dorothy's childhood and the life she led before landing in Oz. There's a cult leader, a vile banker, by the name of William Bill Johnson, an orgy of filth, kings and queens, and even a centaur. In part two of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale, nobody is innocent. <laughs>